Blog Talk Radio. See Rush live at the Royal Highland Exhibition Centre, Ingleston, on May 24th and 25th. You'll hear great songs from their album, Signals. When I was looking about in the audience yesterday uh, to try and talk to some of the fans, I was really hard put to find girls. No, one tour. <laughs> there was a girl. There was, there was women one tour. Uh, well, you know, I think as you go around the world, the different cities, and you go around North America, you sort of see a slightly different audience all the time, but... The trend has always been mostly male, and I think that's because we attract a, a sort of a young musician type of audience, and they're mostly uh, male musicians. When we did Signals, funnily enough, we started getting more uh, girl fans. I mean, sometimes we come out and there would be girls screaming. And we'd start looking behind us, going, what, who are they looking for? You know, Alex and I look at each other. I see you, Alex. Alex Lifeson. Lead guitarist Alex Lifeson is philosophical about spending so much time on the road, as he told MTV Music Television in Los Angeles. We had to tour a lot to to really get known, and uh, and that's the way it's always been for us. So it it feels comfortable. I mean, we all really enjoy touring. You can find complaints in anything, I guess. Um, we really do enjoy it. It's nice to have time off at home, but it is nice to get out on the road and play. It always has been. A popular part of the Rush Live show is their use of film footage of the Columbia Space Shuttle launch. The blast-off made an indelible impression on the group. It really, you know, left a mark. We decided then that we'd write a song about it, and that's exactly what we did. After we'd finished writing the song, um, we got in touch with... Uh, Jerry Griffin, and he was kind enough to pass on some film footage of the Columbia launch that we incorporated into the show and also to a video that we'd recently done. Neil Peart. And it's fundamentally based on the first things that we shared, which was a sense of humor. You know, the very first day we met, we were talking about Monty Python sketches, and immediately, if you have a sense of humor in common, um, there's something that you can build on from there in the same background musically, of course. So once we started music and started talking about music and, and ambitions and what we'd like to do inside of a, an original band, that was there too. But yeah, it absolutely first started talking about funny things. Yes, and, and um, I've always said it, it's seems kind of over-reductionist to say, but it is as simply as we made the music that we liked and hoped other people would like it too. And there was a purity that we grew up with in the 60s that, you know, not to sound like an old fogey, but when I talk to someone says, oh, I was born in 1980, I'm, oh, you missed so much. Yeah. You know, just an amazingly fertile creative time to have grown up in the 60s as a young musician and to start it out uh, in the early 60s with surf music and the first British invasion and for me it was the second British invasion that really lit me up once I was playing drums and when I heard the Who and when I heard the Kinks and this new edgy angry energy that was in it um, that changed my world and, and inflamed my whole desire to play music and inspired me with how you might go about it. And I always say one reason I admired uh, Pete Townsend in those days, he smashes guitars and read books. Hey everybody, it's Greg Reifsteck here. Welcome to my new 
fun podcast. Right Stack Revisits, my little self-indulgent nostalgia trip where I am going to dive back in time by going through my closet, yes, rifling through my closet and grabbing items and with each artifact open up a comedic dialogue of radical proportions. Radical dude, totally radical. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, anybody that's listened to uh, Boredom Breed Stupidity knows I am from, uh, I was born in 1970. I grew up in the 70s and 80s and 90s and uh Things just aren't the same these days, but everything comes back. All the hipsters have brought back the uh, 70s and 80s, and I am taking them back by going through all of my items and having a laugh, just just getting a laugh one memory at a time, just really telling stories, and having fun. If you go to my website, ricedeckrevisits.com, you'll basically see the layout of how this show is going to work. We're going to have our snapshot or snapshots of the week, uh, which are basically going to be uh, pictures from my collection, uh, lots of nice hairstyles in that collection, <laughs> uh, album covers, concert uh, program covers, uh, concert photos, all kinds of um, stuff from my uh, 30 years of doing journalism and just before being a journalist, just being a damn kid in the 70s and 80s. Then we will be having our story or stories of the week which usually will be a article from my journalism past. Uh, we're we're going to theme every episode. This episode you're about to hear is going to be about Rush. All of these bands are now retiring, or they are having a member die in their band, like the Eagles, and... We're, 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 losing, <laughs> we're losing what we took for granted, the fact that we'd be able to go see co- them in concert over and over and over again. And now I'm 45 and hitting the reality of the fact that I won't be able to see all my favorite bands probably within the next five years. They're probably going to go and disappear. It's strange that you go and look in... I, I, if you're over 40 and you look in the L.A. Weekly or if you're in Chicago and you look at the Reader or you, you, whatever community you are in and you look at your um, alternative weekly paper, if you're over the age of 40, I, the other day I went through four pages and could not name one. And I, could, I could not name one band on four pages and I'm pretty uh, musically worldly. <laughs> I didn't know what the hell was going on. So yes, I've turned into my father. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot name half of the bands that are out there that anybody uh, that is 20 or 25 and under are listening to. So we're losing all the bands for us 40-somethings, and the baby boomers have it even worse um, that came before us, uh, you know, Generation X. Uh, stuff is starting to fade away. So basically, I digress. Uh, We'll have a theme, so we'll have a snapshot, we'll have a story, which will be one of my journalism stories, tying into 
the snapshots. And then I'm going to show, I have tons and tons and tons of ticket stubs and photo passes from my past. And uh, I'm going to let you all live vicariously through what my journalistic life was. Um, I post these all the time on my Facebook page, and people are like, wow, you know, I want to hear the story behind that ticket stub. I want to hear the story behind that um, that photo pass or that concert photo. So uh, I've broken it down into those three S's. Uh, no, it's not shave, shit, and shower, everybody. It's, uh, it's snapshots, stubs, and stories. And, yes. Uh, by all means, this is going to be a self-indulgent nostalgia trip for me. And, yeah, I mean, that's uh, what we, we all love to talk about ourselves and, you know, sit around with a few beers and talk about the good old days. And it always starts with, I did this and I did that. So everybody's going to get to hear what I did. We're also going to hear what other people um, have did. So I am about to head off to North Hollywood where we're going to hang out at this bar called The District, and a good friend of mine, uh, Janelle Coffey, we're going to uh, discuss uh, with her. We're going to discuss with another good friend of mine, Aubrey Wilson, and her, uh, and her boyfriend about uh, where... Uh, they're younger. They're much younger. And uh, Janelle and I are in our 40s, and they are... Uh, are much younger, and we're going to hear about Rush and their experiences coming up with it, not through the 70s and 80s, but through uh, later generations, so that'll be a lot of fun. So uh, I am off, and uh, in a few seconds, thanks to the beauty of podcast technology, we will be at the district talking about one of the most wonderful, one of the most influential and one of the most unique rock bands to ever grace the stage or vinyl, Rush. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good jumping off point. So you bought them, so tell me, tell me the t-shirt story. Oh, uh, for, for my dad just now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so when we went to Rush, which, by the way, we got free tickets to, uh, through uh, my uh, relations from being at Tin Horn, um, we are really close with all the Live Nation guys, so uh, they'd asked me a couple weeks before, how come you haven't asked me for any free tickets or whatever? I'm like, well, I didn't know I was allowed to. So then I found that the Rush show was going on, and... I know how expensive Rush tickets can get, so I was like, is it possible to maybe get Rush tickets as the first tickets that I'm asking you for free? And I didn't want to like step over that boundary, but I was like, I gotta do it because if I don't see it now, but it's for the last show. Yeah, it's yeah, the last yeah. show. Everybody knew. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see it now. Yeah. I'm never gonna see it. Yeah. And um, so he gave me the tickets, and we get there, and we're like, okay, we're gonna be like, you know, up in the nosebleeds, whatever. I don't care. I'm here. We just keep walking closer and closer to the front of the stage, and I'm like, holy shit, we got floor seats. He gave us three floor seats. We were like 13 rows back. It was the coolest experience of, like, forever. Um, but it was funny because my dad was, like, one of the only black guys there. I think the only thing darker than him was his shirt. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, 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 but, yeah, today he's got his shirt on, and he just sends me pictures. He's like, hey, oh, my God. Yay. He gets really cool. He's like, well, six out of 16 is not so bad. <laughs> but, 
I think we kind of know. This is not it's not a lot of African American people at Rush concerts. Right. Also, not a lot of women, which was yeah. shocking at the final show. There were a lot. There were a lot. Was, was and and, and, and I mean, the line for the right. was amazing. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So let's go around here. We've got Janelle. Hi. We got Aubrey. Hey. Tommy and Greg, we got, we're all here and we're all celebrating Rush. Um, I already did an intro um, back at home, but basically, I mean, that's a great starting point is like, you know, it's cool to be into Rush now. Right. Because <laughs> the hipsters I, embraced I it. Like, um, <laughs> I love you, man. Really gave that that launching pad for our generation kids. Oh, because... That's, that's all they did. What was the launch? I, I love you, man. That movie. All right. It was all right. Eagle. And Jason Segel. Yeah. Okay. Because it was a funny enough movie, and those are current enough actors for really our generation. Uh huh. That I feel like it was it gave people a reason to go. What is this band that they keep referencing to the entire movie mm-hmm. and singing and playing along with in their garage? They even had the contrast in the movie of people right. that love it and people that like, I don't. I don't, I don't get, get it. And right. you guys are yeah. twenty. Yeah. 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 So yeah. mid twenties. Yeah, twenty four and twenty six. Mid twenties. So, yeah. mid-20s rush band. Yeah. Because, I well, mean, it doesn't happen too often. I, don't, I wouldn't say. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you get a lot of parents right. getting their kids into yeah. it. Yeah. It was so great going to, seeing the show and seeing a lot of 16-year-olds. They're like, this is yeah. the last time you're going to get to see them. Maybe right. the only time you're going to get to see them. And they're just yanking their kids in there yeah. to see the final rush it was, show. It was cool to see the whole diversity of people that's like... I didn't know this is gonna be the last show, and you're doing it at the forum of all places. Yeah. To end it and with a huge bang, like everybody's gotta go. Whether yeah. you barely know them or you kind of like them or you really like them, everybody's going. It was yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that's why there were women there. Women yeah, actually yeah. showed up. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I used to, I, it, true story. So, Staples Center, I got tickets to see him here, and I was uh, covering it for this little, after I worked for Variety, I was working for this paper campus circle. You see him around the record stores and stuff. And uh, so I get tickets, and we get really nice front row of the second section tickets. And But me and this guy are walking in, and taking a buddy, I, it's funny that it was this guy, um, John, and um, his girlfriend at the time was like, please take him to a Rush concert. <laughs> right. I will never go with him. I will never go with him in a million. Sorry, Scott. Scott was named Scott Bedno. That's right. And he's like, please, he's like, please take him. Take him to a... So Scott and I are walking in, you know, we get off the train at Staples and we're walking in, and of course it's white guys, white guys, white guys, white guys, white guys, and then, and then there is a white guy walking in holding hands with a black girl, Right. and my buddy's like, well there's something you don't see every day at a rush concert, and I said, oh God, no, right? So as luck would have it, we're in the front row of the like 100 section, and they're right on the corner of the floor. Okay. So it hits the first intermission. They break, you know, thank you, I'll be back. So Getty and I'm like, I go, I got to know. I'm lit up now enough. Right. I'm going to go down and ask him. So I walk up to them and I, I go to, I go, where I go? How long have you been at Rush Day? She goes, 
I bought the tickets for this motherfucker, and I'm like, are you kidding me? He's like, oh, yeah, she was, my father was in the rush, and he dated this girl that was in the rush. They were in them in the 70s, and like, this is his first show. She was, this is like my fifth show. Wow. You're right, Tommy. I mean, the diversity of the show, it, it hits you, but unfortunately in the past, it was all... Right. White, yeah. white, yeah, exactly. white, 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 <laughs> white teenage males, and now we've grown up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's go around and we'll start with Janelle because she's been keeping me in suspense with this, and I really want to talk about our first exposure to the band and the first album you bought. Well, my the first exposure that I that I remember to to Rush was I have to give you a little bit of a backstory. I was um, a handicapped child raised in a very strict Christian environment, so I was shielded from all things rock and or roll, <laughs> unless it was like Buddy Holly or, you know, Johnny Cash, Gene Pitney, those, those are who I was raised on, you know, but it's like new music I wasn't able to. Because they were in with the Lord, so that was okay. Yeah, yeah. If, they, if they had, you know, a, a spiritual album, you know, that was Sure, okay. sure, they put out their token one, yeah, yeah, okay, great, great, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think how great they are on the album? Okay, we're good. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, yeah. When I was like uh, about ten or eleven, I went to a uh, a birthday party with my friend Charlotte, and it was a pool party, and it was a girl boy party, so I wasn't allowed to swim because I couldn't have boys looking at my naughty bed. Right. <laughs> so, but I was allowed to go to the party, but I I couldn't. You know, I, I couldn't participate in the pool, and now everybody was in the pool, so I went in to, um, into the house, and Charlotte came in, and she, we had with her record player, and she had, um, Hemispheres. Hemispheres. And that was, the that was my first, my first exposure to Russia, and I was, and Getty Lee's voice is what I, I honed in on. Growing up in, in church, you know, I was allowed to sing, and that was about the only expression I was allowed to. So I've, I've always been drawn to, you know, strong singers getting laid. Uh, yeah. Um, Which is funny to me because the reason why my mom doesn't like Rush is because of his voice. There's a lot of people that don't like Rush. That's probably the only reason. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like people are like, oh, I mean, like Neil Peart sounds great. But. <laughs> I just can't get over the boy. Yeah, enormous rhythm section. They go, enormous rhythm <laughs> section. With three, with three people. By and, 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 and then you get the screech. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to get that all yeah. the time. Because I was in the mix, yeah. too. Yeah. But no, that, that voice is what pulled me in. Right. To, you know, I like a, a very a, a definite and purposeful voice. You know, and I... That was that was my first my first experience. Mm-hmm. What's the first album you owned? Uh, the live. Um, Existence left. left. Yeah, because that and came out right after then. Right in eighty one. I bought that, and specifically because of the trees. <laughs> the trees. Oh, that song. Uh-huh. <laughs> that I mean, my you know ten eleven years old first time I I heard that song that. Was just a, that was amazing, absolutely amazing to me. I mean, it's a simple, a simple message, but it, when it was, you know, oh. put put that put that way in uh, in that, that song, the trees, I was like, we're, uh, it was just amazing to my ten-year-old self. 
you know, especially having had the, the background of implied racism, separatism, and everything, right. you know, that I was, you know, under the disguise of church, you know, right. that I was, you know. So why, so your friend who exposed you to this was in the church, how did she have this contraband? She was in a different church. Oh, good, good. A Luther church. Luther cooler church. Oh, the Luther cooler church. Yeah, yeah, they can they can have music in their church. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, so you listened to it. What was the feeling you had besides hearing Getty's voice? I mean, what what was the thing that kept you kept you coming back? Well, it, I mean, basically, Getty's voice. Okay. I mean, to me, simply because okay. simply simply that because um, I, I was a singer and am a singer and I I appreciate a voice and there was just something about that voice as an instrument in in part of the the music to me it was as much a part you know his voice was as much a part of the song as as any as any other instrument and I just I I felt. It. It's a good segue, I'm, since I'm the other old fogey here. <laughs> yes. hey, yeah, yeah. She, she goes, I'm not old. We're in our mid-40s, mid-40s. So, um, I mean, my first exposure was exit stage left. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you guys ever heard of Columbia House Records. Woo-hoo. Twelve albums for, for a, a penny. penny. <laughs> Dad rolled out the stick, and my dad's like, it's about time for you and your sister. Sure, yeah, okay. We're gonna let you choose some albums off the twelve. Everybody in the family gets to have their, you know, their store. That's, of that's us. my first early exposure with that too. Just going down the list and like, oh, that that record looks cool. I'll get that. And then my parents would get it for me, and that's that's my first introduction of finding music. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So, so my first three albums I picked out were Devo's New Traditionalist. <laughs> And uh, that got me way into Devo, yeah. of course. Right. And these were things I'd seen on TV or I'd heard from right. friends. Yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't, I was aware of Rush. I was only aware of the song Tom Sawyer. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. And I was just like, I never really listened <laughs> to anything beyond that. So they had Rush exit stage left, and I'm like, live album. Okay, that's usually the greatest hits of, okay, good. Right. You know, this, a, good this, this, this is a good gateway drug into, into this. Exactly. And I then and I got Foreigner Four as well. Right. So the first album I put on was Foreigner Four, and I listened to that all the way through. And my folks had this big console stereo that had a cassette player on the end. This will take everybody. I find the cassette player. The um, he ordered it. He, he strangely ordered the stereo system through Columbia House as well. Okay. It was like you can get this for yeah. you know however it is. Man, like, okay, we're gonna get it shipped. He goes, we're getting the stereo, everybody. We're getting the stereo. <laughs> And this is from a father that um, we didn't. We had a black and white TV till we were about God, like 12, 13. Everybody else on the block had big colored TVs. My dad would not splurge and watch a black and white TV. So you know, you were sheltered by religion. I was sheltered by a, a low income household. <laughs> um, so. We get the stereo, which was a luxury, and so it's got the cassette player and the and the vinyl and the radio, and you could record everything on the cassettes. I was thrilled. So I, I listened to Foreigner Four, and my father had the big headphones that are now popular with everybody right. again. Right. But got the big headphones, and I'm like, okay, Foreigner Four, good rock album, it's great. 
and I put on the beginning of Exit Stage Left, that I hear, this is the spirit of the radio. Yeah. It's like, oh, fuck, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. And I'm on a journey. And my mother claims she, like, walked in the room and, like, brought me food and, like, set it down. And, like, I wasn't paying attention. I played that entire first side straight through and just took the journey in my head. And I'm 10 years old. And if you people look at RifeSecRevisits.com, the website that's going with this podcast, there's a picture of me, and I'll show this to them later, of me in Little League okay. at 10 years old. And when I got <laughs> first exposed to this album, looking at the album cover, it's this big gatefold album cover. And I was, I you know, I knew the visuals from the other albums, but at the time I wasn't super familiar with them. Yeah. So I'm like, it's like an owl and a marionette and a naked guy with his arm outstretched, and I'm like sitting there at ten, going, what the fuck is going on here? But this is. That's how, that's how they drew you in. Exactly. Like good weird. Like, that was cool. I'll listen to that. Weird and cool and strange and the art, and I'm like, I'm just this geeky little ten year old guy. I'm like, yeah, and I just listen to this album. I'm like, I'm in. That's it. Yeah, yeah. The, the album cover also just their art and the way they came about it. I mean, there there are three geeky guys, as we know from the documentary, right. out of Canada, Canada. just. You know, flying by the seat of their pants, and then they get, you know, successful. But, I mean, their lyrics are way the hell out there. Yeah, it's like, if you really think about it, like, they kind of seem like one of those bands that, like, by popularity means, they should have never made it. No. Because there were so many people, you know, that being a nerd was such an underground thing that people would listen to it and feel this huge connection to them. Yeah. And then just keep going, keep supporting them. Oh, yeah. One of the biggest bands in the world. Yeah. And fortunately, now they're gone, mostly. Hopefully, few one off shows and whatnot, but. Yeah. Like, they, they just speak to a lot of people. That, you know, the, the cast out. Like, people don't realize that there's so many of us. Yeah. And they, they just, that band that just fed everybody what they wanted to hear. Yeah, it was not cool to be in the rush right. back in my day. It was super not cool <laughs> to well, be into them. For me, it seems weird because. Their, the lyrics in their songs, uh, yes, they verge on the, the Unreal a lot, but it, it almost verge on the uh, original sense of like Led Zeppelin. You know, because Led Zeppelin has some really open lyrics as well, but I think just because of the difference in the, the voices that were portraying the, the lyrics, which is what I think gave the divide between yeah. being cool and having that, that nerd sort of, you know... Yeah, you can listen to Lord of the Rings lyrics and let Zeppelin not really think about it. Right. When it rush brings something exactly. up, you're like, oh, definitely yeah. matters. Yeah, yeah. And, but I mean, yeah, there's Lord of the Rings <laughs> references in Led Zeppelin music uh-huh. and people were like, yeah, Led Zeppelin's the coolest thing on the planet, which they are, but <laughs> just as nerdy yeah. as Rush. Yeah. But I think it's just a delivery and who was, you know, giving, you know, the song. Yeah, I mean, Rush and Led Zeppelin... Both, when I was exposed to both, I heard a lot of words I'd never heard before. Right. And you opened up that dictionary a lot. Yeah. You're like, right. what? <laughs> and, this is, and this is free Google, everybody. This is free dictionary.com. You go, you go to the wall and go, what? And what? 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 Right now, but Exactly. I mean, you, you, you listen to the whole Rush songs and go, I have no idea really what he just said. 
But I'm gonna go look it all yeah, up and then you know, oh, yeah. research and go. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. Check out Neil and check out the balls on them yeah. using history to talk about stuff that's happening in their right. regular yeah. world. Exactly. Yeah. So, so what was your first exposure? Uh, so for me, uh, I can just remember uh, it was right before we had moved up to the Bay Area, so I couldn't have been more than five or six years old. Wow. Great memory. Um, but we were, I was sitting uh, in the passenger seat of my dad's single cab Mitsubishi, and he had the retrospect to test uh, the tape deck. Um, I know because I would I would look at the cover and I would just because I like colors so it's got three big thumbprints on it right in all the different colors and I was like wow dad what's this band he's like well we listen to it all the time and I was like oh yeah sure I I know what you're talking about uh, yeah that guy um, but I can just remember sitting there in the car and my dad always had the, the Rush tape that just on play like it was just yeah. something that he Not just did. an eight track or a cassette or? a cassette yeah cassette. yeah okay. so I mean because I'm you know in early 90s so cassette was they didn't have, around, yeah, yeah they didn't have the CD players in, in the trucks just yet <laughs> so um, that was my first uh, like entry into you know Rush it just being with my dad and, and actually liking the music because my mom would always change Rush whenever we were in the car <laughs> I, was, I remember knowing that the only time I could listen to these really cool songs was when I was with dad, dad because dad liked it and mom was never a fan of getting his toys and so but I, I didn't I never understood why because I was like this is so cool mom like and for me I bet uh, he could tell you I've had a very overactive imagination so when I listen I am visioning everything like my dream was to make an across the universe copy but for uh, for Rush like that would just be so cool to take their songs and just give them a visual like super graphic representation like people could like see what's in my head every time I hear these yeah. songs you know uh-huh. because um, for me uh, I uh, so the first uh, the first album that I bought was Retrospect again on CD for my dad, the, the Retrospect 2, um, so that way we can look into it again. So now I, I can press play and just go through the entire 15 songs, and I just, this movie just shows up in my head, you know, of like this post-apocalyptic world where Tom has to go out and just fix everything because all these politicians and evil people are just destroying everything and all you've got is the radio in the background telling you everything is cool and it's not cool and he's got to change the world you know one song at a time and that's just where I go with Rush because everything that they say because because of their lyrics and because of how deep they can get into it I mean you can't help but be totally enthralled by like a movie experience in your head oh yeah that was me I wanted to be Roger Ebert when I was five right so <laughs> movies were our babysitter when I was a kid. Yeah. So I mean that's why Rush spoke to me too. Right. It was a, it was it was a movie in your head. Yeah. And that's the I, that's the way they wrote the lyrics was we're right. taking you on this journey we're starting you at this and we're yeah. telling you a story about these people. Right. Or we're telling you a story about the situation with the trees. Right. You know you visualize the trees. You know. Yeah 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 you saw the one of it's a great band that you, you feel it more than you like I guess in a sense enjoy it you just lay back close yeah. your eyes and you 
name whatever venture you want. Yeah. And it, yeah, exactly. It takes you on a journey from start to finish. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel something, and, and everyone's going to have their own perception, but the, the way the music is, and the lyrics especially, they just, they just guide you through whatever you're feeling. Oh, definitely. And if you're a rush head enough, you know what Getty's saying. You oh, know, sure it takes you do. you a couple minutes to oh, really yeah. feel the words, but you, you, you get what he's saying and what he, what he means. Yeah. You know, for people who don't like his voice, they're like, it just sounds like a big jumbled up mess, probably to them. But when you love what Getty is telling you, you know, then you can you can hear it all perfectly. It doesn't does faze you that his voice is so high and so, everything is so close that you shouldn't be able to understand this alien voice that <laughs> right. they do, you know. Yeah. But when you love it, it it's there. Yeah. So what was your first album? Uh, that, that was the first one, The Retrospect 2. Um, and then I bought that again just recently for my dad before we went to R40. So, that, so I could be like, this is the album that you got me hooked on. This is why, you know, I'm on interest. And I, I, I think for me, um, unfortunately, uh, even though it's not uh, an album that they put together as an actual piece, it's just a mixture of, of their hits from those time periods. Uh, retrospect to is all of their their, their biggest hits yeah. of, their, of their music, you know. Um, so after Retrospect 2, I, I did get gold. I like the fact that I could just get all of the best from all of them. And maybe that's not, you know, I didn't dive into the Russian up to actually go and, and listen to full albums, the actual complete ones, personally. But the, I, I just like that. I, I feel like the, the way that people uh, coordinated those greatest hits albums they were making the story, and that's why I could listen, retrospect two through one to fifteen, and actually get a full picture. Because I feel like when they were putting it together, they knew exactly what they were doing. You know, even though it's hit from a whole bunch of different albums, like they all still make sense together. Well, well, it's just a so. recorded version of listening to a live album. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, want a huge feel. That's what you're gonna go for. Yeah. yeah. I mean. One of my huge favorites, and I'll do another show on him, David Bowie, was a big deal. And, I mean, there were a lot of albums that, you know, you skip for certain reasons. Right. There are certain parts of your life, there are Rush albums I completely right. skipped and yeah. would hear the hit or go see the tour and not get completely into it. So we ended with with Aubrey talking about her experiences. We, we, we didn't get to Tommy's first time, first time, all time... Rush stuff. Let's let's get down to the nitty gritty here. What what was your first exposure to Rush and your first album? Uh, so mine, I guess, would be the stereotypical introduction. First time I heard Tom Sawyer, I believe, it was on the radio. Mm-hmm. I remember just I was probably at least eight or nine years old, uh-huh. and we would. Uh, we, I, I'm from Fresno, so we would go from Fresno to my dad's family who lived in the Bay Area. That's all we would do is just constantly listen to either the radio, classic rock stations. Um, my first introduction to classic rock was Pink Floyd. So that's my dad's favorite band. So I was already into the weird... Frog rock. Unconventional Fro- frog, frog, frog rock, rock as they called it. Exactly. So it was just... Like, I was already into that, and once I heard um, Tom Sawyer, it's just like... It's one of those very few times where I listened to a song and just felt nothing but chills, just from the intro through the entirety of the song. And I was like, who are these guys? Like, I've never heard this ever before. Like, because it's completely different than anybody. It still is than anybody sounds like. Even the people that try to copy them, no one can do it like that. Um, 
So, and my first album was the same one, so Moving Pictures, uh-huh. and just like, gosh, YYZ, and then of course my favorite is uh, Subdivision. Um, so, listening to that album, uh, one of my friends actually gave it to me on a cassette when I was probably like 11 or 12, and listening to that guy constantly was amazing, and just, uh, like, exactly, Geddes Lee just grew to me, just like, like, nothing you've heard before, right, just that, that power and the control he had, and of course, listening to, to Neil on the drums, I was like, I didn't know anybody could ever play like that, yeah, ever. You said in an interview that he can't even play like that anymore. That when they recorded um, Tom Sawyer, yeah. he uh, was on an interview, I don't know with whom, but he said that when he plays it, he doesn't always play it. Right. Yeah, you have to play variations. Well, when you when you're yeah, when you're younger, your your bone density's different. Everything's <laughs> yeah, different. Exactly. And he retaught himself, as we saw in the documentary. You know, he he got retaught. You know, by one of the most legendary drummers, and retaught him how to drum everything. And I think he got together with him because I mean, I mean, it was an older drummer, yeah. and he needed to reinvent himself. I mean, you can sit there with the whole big drum set all you want. Right. You have no and, idea how to use it. Right, but you, but you need you need to hit the shit the way you need to hit it at that age. And I mean, that's unfortunately why, and I mean, it's a bad thing to talk about, is the retirement. I mean, Neil Peart is the reason for Rush's retirement. I mean, the man's in chronic pain. The man muscles... The, the simple fact that he muscles it through the entirety you, of the tour just yeah. because... He knew that's what we wanted. Yeah, yeah. He, he muffled it through. He knew it was the anniversary. He got it. They got it documented on video. And, I mean, that's the way to go out. I mean, just, they're going out on top. They, they, they you know. Because there's, there's so many people that just any little thing could have stopped him. Like, no, I'm done. We're yeah. not doing this. But the simple fact is, like, we got to give it to the fans. Yeah. Instead of just going, oh, sorry, we can't do it. We're out. we got to uh-huh. actually try it. Um, and then we're out. You were talking about drummers. Who were the drummers that you saw ahead of us? Oh, there yeah. There were like five yeah, drummers. I, all of them back in the head of us. Yeah. You didn't see any of their faces. Uh-huh. They were just drumming. Yeah, so I, I, I've been a musician for as long as I can remember. Uh-huh. Um, there was... The you're, you're, so you're a drummer? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Okay. Uh, but I mostly got into bass because, again, just hearing them play the rhythm parts on top of Bordy singing the way he does yeah. I was like I didn't know anybody could do that either mm-hmm. so but of course Lyson is an amazing guitar player Neil Peart the, probably the biggest influence to 85% of drummers yeah. ever uh, so listening to them made me want to not so much want to play like them but just to get inspired to play and to the reason that they make music is just to make music that they like. Yeah. So just to do that was insane. You know, their time signature changes, their genre changes in the yeah. song. Oh, totally. R- 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 Rush, Rush, I, 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 I'm akin, because I do comedy too, is akin to a comedian. Rush is making music for themselves. Yeah, exactly. They're not making like, music oh, for the audience. Oh, cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rush has never made music for their audience. They know their audience, 
so they know which way they should bend. Yeah, exactly. But they're like, and this they, is it. But the cool thing is listening to their entire progression, yeah. all their albums. They're just like, we're going to do something different every single time yeah. because that's just what we want to write. Yeah. And it, it'll come out if you like it. If you like it, mm-hmm. not, we really don't care. Yeah, I mean, you said you love Subdivision. It's a great segue in the... One thing I wanted to talk about is the fact that in the 80s, I was way in, Devo was one of my first albums, so I'm way into keyboard bands, yeah. way the hell in the keyboard bands. Yeah, and, and I love the part of the documentary where you just see Alex, and you see Neil, and you go, oh, fuck, Getty and his synthesizer. Oh, shit. And I'm sitting there going, no, wait a minute, you idiot. I'm, 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 I'm like, guys. If it wasn't for that era, I probably would have lost you because you were rock, 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 and then the album Signals came out with New World Man and all of that. And I, I remember walking. Into, I'm, I'm, I was telling uh, Janelle this earlier. There was a record store called Flipside Records, and as I said, you know, lower middle class upbringing, and my dad has an overtime week, and he goes, and we walk into Flipside Records, and I go, look, the new Rush album is out, and he. He, all, all he would do is hear me listen to Exit Stage Left like it was right. going out of style. And he yeah. goes, you want the new album? Yeah, it's nine ninety nine though. I can't, you know. He's like, get it. Get it. Make sure your sister gets the album too. Yeah, but you get it. And I sat there and listened to Signals until like the fucking groove ran out. So I got that. And then that took me right into my favorite album, uh, Hold Your Fire. Because I was a teenager finally go to concerts on my own keyboards it was just the best yeah. I'm sitting there at the Rosemont Horizon in suburban Chicago at the Hold Your Fire Tour and if you look at the website go to RifeStechRevisits.com and I have my ticket stubs up and I have the program up Hold Your Fire was like their big keyboard album and they had you know um, uh, they brought in uh, you know, uh, just a lot of 80s influences. And the other guys in the band were a little disturbed yeah. by it. <laughs> yeah, you could definitely tell it was like, yeah, he's like, I'm bringing this in. We're going to do it. Yeah. And, you know, and that's the cool thing, when he makes it his own. Like, no one yeah. really just layers the music the way he does with influencing new, anything new that they do. Like, they, they seem to do it their own way, and it works perfectly. Yeah, I mean, time stands still, Force 10. I sit there and listen at, that was the first, that was one probably, that was probably one of the first five CDs I owned was Hold Your Fire, and I just played the crap out of that thing, especially because now you have the, you know, higher fidelity in it, and the digital sound, it just like really came out, so what, what, Favorite song. That's a good segue. Fortunate and Time Stands Still. Why? Why on the way over? Why are they? Why are they your favorite? Um, for me, I like the synthesizer sound. I thought. See, thank you, thank you. This is why Aubrey and I get along. This is why we got along. Um, but I think the lyrics in Time Stands Still, they have the the female vocalist, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. they don't do that often or ever. And I, that was the only yeah, time. There was some, and so for me, that one stood out the most because it almost, because it feels like a love song, but it's a rush love song. So, it, you know, so, it, so it's not love-based at all, but it just seems so, it's just pretty, you know, and for, for a girl, you, you like pretty sounds. And that one, and I feel that because he was allowed to do the synthesizer stuff and really 
talking about Amy Mann. Yeah, I mean, this is, this sounds me, but for me, it, it's almost as, uh, as good as the Pink Floyd song, where it literally is just a woman just belting out her soul. Definitely. You know? And I feel like that really uh, pushed Rush mm-hmm. out of their limit, and that, that's where I, that's, that's the song that really hits me yeah. every time. Yeah, I mean, so. Rush weren't stupid. They, yeah. Well, it was, well, they, they were silly sometimes. It was funny. Mm-hmm. Janelle sitting there and I'm right going through songs and retrospecting this morning before we're doing the podcast also. And I put on a roll of bones and I go, oh, wait for the rap break. And, and I'm like, and I'm like, because every song suddenly had a rap break. Rush went, oh, we're going to do a rap break, you mother. And they threw that in. Get busy. Relax. We can do whatever we want. Exactly. So I remember being a fan back then. I was like, Rush is doing a rap break? <laughs> and they pull it off, and you're like, holy okay, yeah, crap. Cool. And you're holy like, you're crap. Like, wow, this is like the dorkiest thing I heard, but like, put it down. No, no. That's amazing. Dorky word for dorky. <laughs> I mean, Roll the, Roll the Bones was one of the shows I saw. Um, let, 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 let's talk about your favorite songs, but then I'm going to get into favorite concerts and like roll the bones. Um, now this precursor was I went up with a buddy of mine, uh, John, all the way up to Milwaukee. We lived in Chicago at the time. Stoned out of our minds. '87 fucking Camaro. Head up to go see him in a blinding snowstorm in Milwaukee, and we got to see Roll the Bones, and it was like it was ridiculous. <laughs> it was freaking ridiculous. So you know, favorite Rush song. Well, You stole mine! I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not my favorite. It's not my favorite. Um, uh, Spirit Radio, um, that's my favorite line is uh, um, one likes to believe in the freedom of music. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's, that's my, I, I love that. But my favorite, my favorite song will, will always be treated. Because that was your first exposure. That was the, my first exposure, and the one that it just the first time you know music like that really yeah, spoke to me. Subdivisions was here. Subdivisions is mine. Subdivisions is the ultimate rush song. It is. That's it. That's it. it. it, it. It's one of the few that that spoke to me in, the, in that time too. Mm-hmm. It's all about finding yourself, and you yeah. know, they talk about everything that you feel. It's like you know, the, like you can be weird and just hold it as your own, mm-hmm. or even if it's not weird to you, it's what you feel. So yeah. just carry on with it instead yeah. of conforming. To, you know, there's so many times, even till today, that people are like, "Well, why don't you like this?" And like, because I like something completely different. You may not agree with yeah. it, but that's, and that's the, the beauty of music. Everybody has their own opinion. You either agree with it and connect with each other, or not. It just hit me because I was a teenager in the high school halls and the shopping malls. I'm like, fuck yeah. yeah. I'm watching the music video. I'm like, this is hot. I'm stuck in suburbia. I'm stuck in a conservative suburban suburb of Chicago. Please kill me. Please kill me. Yeah, yeah, get me out. Rush is rescuing me through the Signals album. Thank God. Um, so, um, 
I mean, we were all at the final show, but um, you guys have seen shows before them, though. Yeah. I've not. Yeah. You have not. I, uh, okay. That, that, okay. Yeah. Let's. I, I, this is my first show, but I uh, I work at Guitar Center, so we always had a constantly playing, like whatever DVD we had. Uh-huh. I've seen recorded shows. Uh-huh. But uh, would be my first show. Cool. was the last one? So I got a feel, but I think nothing will top going to Rush 40, and knowing it being the last show. Yeah. And just how much effort they put into it to make sure it was the greatest last show that they had. Yeah. So. I mean, it's tough to pick songs for something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And, and that was the excitement. Like, what are they going to play? Yeah. Because they're going to go out on top. They didn't represent enough of the 80s. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to fucking say it right now. It's my show, and I'm saying it. Which kind of disappointed me, too. Yeah. So, like, it was cool to hear but, you and stuff. Yeah, like, but it's... Kind of want a broader Yeah, it's like, we're going to play Animate, we're going to play uh, Time Zone, and then, what the fuck? Yeah, no, but... Like, I thought it was going to dwell from, like, the now, and then go straight back. Yeah. The and then it kind of... That's my only problem with it, that it took forever to get back to where people really wanted to hear. But yeah. It was so amazing. What was really fun is seeing them with the gymnasium background. Yeah. yeah. And then and where it started. Oh, I mean... I mean, you see guys like that. I mean, that's where it all began. I mean, it's 40... It's mind-blowing to it think. It was a huge feeling, too. Like, I mean, me, obviously, me in my 20s, but getting that sense of, like... They know it's coming to an end. They've been yeah. doing it for so long. You can feel the great Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Especially because they didn't need to finish it. They didn't need all these films. They're like, no. They're going to end it the way how simple it started. And you're going to love it. Everybody's going to love it. No, no, that, that was... Getting back to my Milwaukee story, so, you know, I used to work for a, a, a school paper like a, a junior college paper, and I get free tickets. I'd, I'd write out here to, to L.A., and they give us free tickets. And come in and then, where, where are you guys from originally? I was born down here, so I'm a Los Angelino. Okay, so you guys got exposure to all the bands right. all the time. You grew up in Texas. so but, but you were in the same place as me, Janelle. The bands would come through once a year. You got a band once a year. How about you, Tommy? Where uh, were you? Central California, so Fresno. So, yeah, like, I'm almost in the same boat where I was lucky enough that they yeah. wanted to come you were to in, us or Southern California. Yeah. Southern California. So, yeah. Rush came through once a, once a tour. That was it. And um, Chicago, for some reason, they um, skipped. So, we were... Well, rather, they couldn't get me tickets for free there. So they're like, you got to go up to Milwaukee. All right. And snow's starting to hit the ground, and my buddies in this Camaro, he's flying all over and both stoned, and we're like, oh, great. All right, maybe we'll make it, maybe we won't. They're flying up there, flying up there. We get around there, we get there, and it's blinding snow by the time we get there. And so it's a Bradley Center in Milwaukee, and thank goodness they gave us 12th row. We're like, oh, thank God. But this will, this is what will fuck you all up. And she already saw the price. Seventeen fifty. Seventeen fifty. We got we got three tickets. Three tickets. Yeah. I had a hard time knowing how three and then yeah yeah. Three three of them that were like 
It was like, find those sales tax, uh-huh. 582. And I was yeah, like, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, well I, was, I was telling her. I, I mean, we spent a pretty penny on our tickets, yeah. and we were on the side. And, I mean, it's the unfortunate thing is because I'm, I'm part of the problem. I use Spotify, and, I mean, the artists don't get as much money now, so they make it all off the tour. Yeah. So they got to jack the hell out of the price. Rush pissed me off. I, I, before R40, I hadn't gone for, like, three tours because... They played the Universal Amphitheater, and it was uh, $150 in the bleed and 200 on the floor. I go, I can't, you know. Wait, they're making you pay to shut that place down? Well, I, I, get, I get pissed because, I mean, I paid, you know, $20 in the past. I'm right. like, come on now. Yeah. Come on now. Well, see, and for me, um, when, when I had the, the guts to ask for the free tickets, it was really, um, it wasn't was for me and for Tommy, it was for my dad. He told me that he was uh, bouncing back here in the 80s, and um, some guy had dropped a set of, tic- of rush tickets on the ground. And he was just about to get off his ship, and he was like, cool, I don't, you know, because he was, or he was thinking of his chair, whatever he was supposed to be in that day, and he saw the tickets, he was like, I'm going to fucking go to Rush, so this is going to be awesome. Free tickets, and, um, and then that night, uh, the, the guard who was supposed to be on called out sick, and so my dad was already there picking up his check, so they said, well, we have extra black shirts in the back, just stick around. So my dad had to choose going to Rush or taking home that bacon, you know, for the night. And he stayed and he worked that evening. So for me, it was that redemption feeling. Like, I know it's the last one, so it's going to be awesome, you know, and we're going to... And for me, wherever we got those free tickets for, wherever we were going to sit, it was going to be awesome. And the fact that we just kept moving forward and then we got to go down to the floor, and I was like, oh my God. And we, we like, walked in and we're like, oh, just go up there. Okay, we're fine here. Yeah. Like, oh, I mean, when, when I, when I, I, I that, that's why, <laughs> so you bring that, well, 13th row, that was the closest I ever got yeah. to that. And we were just sitting there, and I turned to my buddy, I go, I hope the snowstorm is worth it. He, and he's, we're both stoned, he's like, fuck yeah. He's like, fuck yeah. He goes, we're, we're gonna, he goes, we're gonna beer up, we're gonna have the time of our lives. And it was funny, it was funny, we didn't, we didn't even, we hadn't even booked a hotel room. So, when the show ends, I got, I said, we both were like, it's Milwaukee. So we literally walk across the streets to some like fucking place and yeah. we're like, we're like, we need, we need one room with two beds. Yeah. Well, how much is it? Like 60 bucks. We're like, we don't care if like some yeah. hooker knocks on our door. Yeah. We're, we, we both literally like after the show walked in, we had our fucking tall boys, chugged our tall boys, talked about the show and just passed out. That was it. That was it. We were done. You see, we were all so enthralled at where we were and what we were seeing that none of us left to go to the bathroom. None of us left to wow. go to the drink. Anything. We were like intermission, like, I'm staying here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but maybe our seats will just disappear, you know, if we're not sitting wow. in them the entire time. It was so cool. Yeah, was amazing. Like, we were watching, and there was, there was like, a separation between the four seats. Uh, like, we were, like, the third row in our section. Yeah. And obviously, like, the VIP and everything were up front. And I saw this guy get up and walk over to get a beer, and I'm like, that looks really familiar. And so the, the second part started, and he comes back, and I was like, holy shit. And Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters. Damn. I was like, I was, no, I was, I was losing I was my mind. Dave Grohl yeah. or Taylor yeah, I was, Hawkins. I was losing my mind. And she's <laughs> and like, what? Well, and I was like, 
That's fucking Taylor Hawkins from Foo Fighters. And then, and then, then I saw him too. talking to somebody, and I was like, holy shit, he's sitting with Danny Carey from Tool, and right next to Danny Carey was Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, yeah, it was royal. Yeah, it was actually like, so like, I was like, I don't know who to watch. So <laughs> it was Or I could watch Getty, or I, I don't know. It was <laughs> they influenced so many people exactly. like when, yeah. when it was... It was the 80s. It was ridiculous. All these guys grew up, and they learned so much from exactly. them. And it's re- yeah. I mean, they they were we were all there to worship the gods that night. Yeah. That was that was the worship. Like, once I like took a step back, I was like, holy shit, this is happening right now. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great oh, thing. Oh, it was it was church. It was yeah, church, it was and they knew it. I was like, there's my idols up there. My idols in front of me. Who else knows anywhere else? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, you hit a good point. In the fact that I mean they're they're so humble. They don't they don't have they put the stuff on the back screen and they play their music. Sing Peter Dinklage and Paul Rudd and Jason Segel all singing along to it. Yeah. Those are current, you know, people yeah. that we like and we follow. But that's like they were singing along with Rush and like that was like the shit. Yeah, they wouldn't they wouldn't have gotten anybody back in my day to fucking do it. <laughs> they, 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 their, their claim to fame was with uh, um, the um, Great White North album with Bob and Doug McKenzie. Right. That was the closest they came to me, like you know, like crossover fame. Yeah. Otherwise, like it, it was not cool. To be into exactly right. back exactly. in the day, yeah. you still exactly like you still meet people who day and it's like I mean like it's, it's cool because they know who Nilford is, they know who Getty is, they know who Alpha. Uh-huh. Well, that's like the extent of it. Like they're, they're one of those few bands that like you either love them or you don't really like. Them. Right? So, like yeah, yeah, there's a lot of hate. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of hate. I would say hate. I would just say confusion. You don't oh, understand yeah. how we understand. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I don't want to say that anyone... Well, no, no, no. <laughs> well, the reason... There's really confusion. Well, they, they don't have an open enough mind yeah. right. to take in... A, 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 they're looking for their four-minute song. Right. And they want it to end in four minutes. Yeah. They right. want it to be really quick and easy and... I mean, the only the only the band I always compare Rush to when people say, you know, okay, who can you compare them to? And I mean, there's Marillion was always the one that was, but they never made it big. But the big band was Iron Maiden. I mean, in the fact that... Gigantic news in the same thing. Exactly. We can play a 15-minute song and fuck you. You know what? We're going to cut an album, and we're going to put three songs on one side. Oh, well. <laughs> Whatever. You're going to fucking buy it. Yeah, yeah. And Iron Maiden is like, fuck you, we're still doing it. Well, even they've had to back off, but I mean, Rush had to back off, you know, and, and, and comply to the musical conventions. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, the last concert was so much fun for us. I mean, it was, it was Janelle's first show, and I felt like I was, you know, taking, like, a 15-year-old to their first concert. I was kidding. I was kidding, right? Oh, yeah. This is one of those, like, you're like, holy shit, I'm here. Even with it starting and when it ended, you're yeah. like, gosh, like, wait, I, I just experienced that? I don't want to end. Like, yeah. Let's go, let's yeah. go back and do it again. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean they're, they're smart in the fact that it was funny. I was uh, listening to a lot of the music, and they used to put out three albums and then do a live album. 
and then they put out two albums and a live album, and they're so good live, they would just put out one album and then a live album. I mean, the last three tours, I mean, they realized how, you know, how, how smart that was from a business sense, because... That's how everybody wanted to see them, and everyone to perceive them was live. Yeah, exactly. Like in the studio was, it was like, okay, yeah, we know you need. It. Unfortunately, all bands suffer from that now. Is yeah, that's an unfortunate part. Get your ass on tour. Oh, yeah. we need to put on a new album. No, you don't need to put yeah, on a yeah, new album to go on really tour anymore. You're burning yourself out. Like, yeah, put on an album maybe after you're done with like two years, three years of touring. Yeah. Now it's stop. And that's, unfortunately, that's not good. That's, like I said, that's how most bands make their money these days, too. Yeah, and yeah, on their own and through merch and everything. Yeah, the album sales don't really mean anything anymore. Even no, just to get to like, no. those statuses. Uh, what a quarter of what it was back in the day. Oh so God, that's, that's, it's the that's where now. they make their living, and that's the unfortunate part for them. It's like you know, we love what we do, but in the same sense, like it's gonna rent sometimes. Yeah. All right. Final question. Um, then we'll end on this. So Janelle has recently had a loss with one of her bands, The Eagles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we were lucky enough to see them in Vegas last year. We saw them last year. Sun Fry, of course, dies. And you lose your band that way. I mean, let's go around and talk about... I mean, Russia's done. I mean, we know it because of Neil Peart. How are we How are we going to cope going forward? I mean, how are we coping going hey, forward? Everybody's going to spend every pretty funny... Pretty penny <laughs> for every one-off show that they do. Oh, yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Um, but, you know, that's And the they'll probably mostly be in Canada. Exactly. So we're going to spend a lot of... Air, <laughs> we're going to... A lot of... A lot of Air Canada, Miles. Yeah. I built those up quick, but... Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of something that, especially for us, that, you know, they were around for longer than we were around. Mm-hmm. So we knew that there was going to be a point of ending. And now it's like... Yeah. Well, yeah, for, uh, for me, wow, I've seen so many last shows that it's, you know, it's pretty ridiculous. Like, I got to see uh, Ray Charles last show. I got to see Anna James last show. You know, so, like, seeing Rush's last show, like, I'm like... For me, it's like... That's okay. I got to see so many greats go out on top. You know, like, yeah. that, that should, you can't replace that. I mean, I'm 24 years old, and the fact that I can say I've seen Eddie James, Rush, and Ray Charles, like, yeah. <laughs> that's a fucking weird-ass mix, you know? But that's okay. I mean, my parents put music in, in me, you know, and, and the love for that. So if it's the last show I see or the first show and I never we, see him again, like, I got to see him. Yeah. Like, that... That's the time a treasure right there. So. The, the time I had that feeling was they, the, I don't know if they, I think they still do them every other year. The Hoot Nanny shows. The Hoot Nanny shows down in Orange County. Um, I covered one about, shit, probably like six, seven years ago. And it was stri- the Stray Cats coming together after, like, Forever together. 25 years. And we, were, we got backstage, we're standing on the side of the stage, I'm watching the Stray Cats, and I'm thinking, this is going to be the highlight, well, I thought that was going to be the highlight of my day. Before that, you mentioned Ray Charles. Right. Little Richard was on the bill. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, shit, man. So, we, there was rumors he might not even go, but we walk in, and he's about to go up, we're all standing around, 
and it's me and my friend Lauren and her boyfriend at the time, and she's a journalist too, and she's the one that guides them. Thank you, Lauren. <laughs> and we w- get there, we're on the, it's down in Orange County on some fairground, right some yeah. polar ground, some shit, and all these guys come around and start passing out Bibles. Little Bibles, mini Bibles, and you open it up and it says, you know, this is the gospel according to little Richard. And we're like, what the hell? And it's a little Bible. And we're like, oh, I still have it somewhere. And I'm just like, oh, my God. I just got to... That's what he do. He'd send his people out with Bibles into the audience. And also he comes up, and the first thing he's just screaming is like, you keep a knocking, but you can't. And he is... Whole audience is dancing, losing their fucking mind, yeah. going crazy. And the worst part was, straight guys had to go on after. Yeah. <laughs> but they pulled it off because right. of the nostalgia. Oh, but yeah. we sat there and we're sitting there. It's like 10:30 at night. And I look at my friend Laura and I go, "You know we watch musical history." And she's like, right. yeah. 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 "Yeah, shit, are you kidding me?" Yeah. We just got to see Little Richard. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's probably one of the last tours he did. Yeah, uh, so. yeah, yeah. He doesn't really go around anymore. But yeah, it, I mean, they, he, and of course he's screaming in between each song. He's like, "You know I invented rock and roll." <laughs> <laughs> that Elvis boy keeps telling us that he invented it. Yeah, I would give that to James Brown and Little Richard. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing else without them. James Brown yeah. and Little Richard, yeah. 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 But it was, it was hilarious. Between each song. You know I invented this stuff, right? I'm going to sing another one of these stuff for you. But I'm reminding you. And I'm like, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 And I had the same feeling you did, Aubrey. Just like this warm feeling of like, I am, you know it. Yeah. I'm like, this aura is here in this field. Yeah, you need to feel it. And rising people there. up. Yeah. It's amazing. So how'd you feel about, Janelle, your, your being at the final show and it being your first show? Well, yeah, the, the first and the last. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. experience with them. That was, yeah. um, that was... It's like, holy shit, I've seen him. Unfortunately, it's the last time. It's even better because... Oh, right. seen him for the last time. For the last time. Right. 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 Yeah. And there, there were a few tears, you know, of yeah. all Right. Yeah. When it ended, you're like, it's beautiful, but... Oh, that's it. That was, that was the end. Yeah. 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 So come on, second encore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We all went on. <laughs> 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 What's another three that's, hours? That's, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. The formal part. <laughs> Neil, Neil, Neil's looking on the side going, I need my pain shot. Yeah. I need my, I need my, yeah. my pain shot. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. I kept thinking about, during the show, I mean, the, my first experience that I talked about with Rush, you know, at my friend's house then, but when I was, Getty Lee endeared, endeared himself to me in the, um, it was the late 80s, and I was in this little hole in the wall in Steve uh, Ellum in Dallas, and um, my favorite Buddy Holly song came over the... The, the radio, or not the radio, but the sound system they were playing there, and it was Getty Lee covering um, uh, the name of the song now. It was, it was just my popular again. 
of Getty Lee covering Buddy Holly's Not Fade Away. Wow. Which is one of my my favorite. And I was like, where, what the hell? Who is this? You know? And I, Buddy Holly was one of the uh, artists I was raised on from yeah. my dad. Was it a solo album? Or what? It was, what? A, it was a single. Really? Yeah. And, Weird. Uh, and, um, and you know, and it's, it's you know, and it's it's it's, it's getting it's that voice, you know. And I was like, I was like, it's Getty Lee, what the hell? Like, you know, and it was my Texas boy, you know, Buddy Holly. I was like, damn. But that was that was such an endearing experience, and I can see that little hole in the wall in uh, in Deep Ellum where I used to, to hang out with my fake ID. <laughs> <laughs> But I thought about that so much during during the show. Yeah. My mind went back to that moment. Yeah. You can probably find it on YouTube. All right. Well, look for that. Pull that up. Yeah. I mean, in closing, I mean, Rush um, was rebellion to a lot of us when we were young. A lot of rebellion. Um, and I, uh, geeky rebellion, though. I mean, now geekiness is accepted. And I mean, I keep hitting this home, and I'm not trying to be a, a shithead about it. But I mean, I mean, back then, you walked around in a rush shirt, you get punched in the fucking shoulder. Now you wear a rush shirt, and it's like, dude, yeah, man, I was so into that. No, you weren't. No, you weren't, you douchebag. No, you weren't. No, you, no, no, you. It's cool because we said it was cool. Right? No, you, you were listening to Metallica or Van Halen, and I was walking down the hallway in my rush shirt, and you looked at me like, no, man, no, 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 I want to just stuff me into a fucking trash can. So, um, we prevailed. Thank you. Uh, oh no, Van, Van Halen. Still alive. I mean, and that's that's the whole key. I mean, we we're trying to survive bands now. We're outrun. We're trying to outrun them. Yeah. It's so frightening. I just bought I just bought Boston and Dennis D. Young tickets for the Greek. Greek. We're, we're I got seventh row tickets for that, and I'm just like. Yeah, and everybody's like, how many members of Boston are left? I'm like, I don't know. And I, I really and don't care. Right. Right. Too, but how many members of Little Skinner are still members right, right, right. of Little Skinner? Right, I'm gonna end it on. I'm gonna end it on this. My favorite comment from a guy underneath it. I mean, I, I was like, oh, I wonder if Boston is still around. And I look up on YouTube one of their videos, and there's Boston, you know, a concert video. And one guy's like, man, only this guy's left, and this guy's left, and blah, blah, blah. And this guy writes in all caps. He writes, I don't give a fuck who's in the band. He goes, as long as they still sound like Boston, I'm going to see fucking Boston. And I'm like, all right. But that doesn't apply to Rush. (laughs) There's there's one Rush. There's only one Rush. Cool. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we're going to leave on that.